Well, we have been journeying through Advent with angels. And while tonight I am actually going to toy with the idea of angels and the wise men, which we don't typically think about, today, this morning, we're going to deal with probably the most familiar of the angel stories and definitely the most sung about, which is when the angels come to see the shepherds. So we are in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to do what I've been doing and kind of take it couple verses at a time, and we're going to dive in here. So verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now today, if you keep sheep, and I have an uncle that keeps sheep, so I'm kind of fascinated by this. Uh, you just keep them out in your field, right? And you pen them in. And uh, you, you bring in sheep's food. Okay? You have hay and other food for them to eat. And um, my, uh, my relative, my, my uncle who has sheep, he goes to work another job and then comes home and takes care of the sheep. Okay? But, but that's because he can go to Agway or wherever and get food. In the ancient world, you couldn't do that. And so if you just left your sheep out in your field all day, uh, the sheep and the goats would very quickly make sure there was nothing growing in that field. They would eat it all the way down to the ground. And so in the ancient world, you had to keep sheep moving. So it was, it was nomadic. You had to keep them moving from place to place to place. And um, so, so you never knew quite where you were going to be. And shepherds then didn't have barns. They would either, uh, when the weather was good, they would sort of gather them into uh, a round area, a sheep pen, and then lay across the, the entrance to it to keep them in there at night and protect them. That comes into play when Jesus calls himself the door to the sheep gate. Okay, that's what he's talking about. And then in the winter, you would typically have to bring the sheep into some kind of cave or alcove to get them out of the weather because in the desert, it gets very cold at night. Um, So that should tell you something right there. That that means probably Jesus is not born in December. Okay, because shepherds don't watch their flocks by night outside in December. Okay, Christmas is celebrated here because this was an ancient festival uh, related to the, the sort of middle of winter. And, and I would remind you of that because it's actually a good Christian symbol and one that's good for my own mental health. That a couple days ago we had the, the shortest day of the year, right? <laughs> so from here we get more and more sun every day. Okay, and so like my mental health grows and grows and grows every day. Um, but that's why we celebrate Christmas here. But, but really it would have been somewhere... Sometime when it was warm. Now, now shepherds were not the most popular of people. Uh, they spent a lot of their time with sheep. So you can imagine shepherds, well, they smelled. I mean, that's one thing. Okay, when you live out in the field and you're with sheep all the time, and probably their social skills are eh, right? Um, but also, we should note that they're not necessarily real poor, and they're not necessarily uh, unimportant. In those days... Sheep was good business, and it was really the kind of the lifeblood of Bethlehem. Uh, sheep and goats were good for milk, for food, as well as for wool and for skins. And, and being this close to Jerusalem, a lot of the lambs that they would have would actually be sacrificial lambs. So they would, they would have great business selling lambs because they could take whole groups of lambs. They could go about six or seven miles to Jerusalem to sell those lambs for a sacrifice in Jerusalem. Um, also, Israel shepherding is a part of Israel's history. I mean, Abraham was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. Isaiah. They're all shepherds. 
I remember, and some of you heard me tell this story before, but I remember my first time in Israel. Uh, we were in Bethlehem, and I went to this place called the Shepherd's Fields. And most of Bethlehem now is kind of urban. It's a little more of a city. But there's this one area that, that they still kind of preserve what it used to look like. And it doesn't look like what you think it looks like. Okay, it's not a field like you'd find around here. It's very rocky and very uneven. And there's just a little bit of grass that was growing on it. And there's a cave there where um, there's now a chapel. But it used to be one of the caves where at night, in the winter, they could bring the sheep in. And so I remember I was thinking about Christmas. And I was thinking about the birth of Jesus and all this stuff. We're at the shepherd's field. And I look across the street. And I see this place called Boaz's Souvenir Shop. Boaz's souvenir shop. And I thought, well, that's funny. Then I started to think, well, actually, Boaz was from here. Like, I had been thinking so much about Christmas, I hadn't thought about, oh, Boaz was from here. And then I started to think, well, wait a minute. Boaz is the great-grandfather of King David. And where was King David from? From Bethlehem. So I was standing on a field, not just the Boaz that had sheep, but where David had been out and had sheep. Okay, so when we think about these shepherds, they're not just any shepherds. These are Bethlehem shepherds. These are like family members of David shepherds. Okay, they know the legends. They know the stories. They know the prophecies. Okay, that was part of their lineage. But their most important moment wasn't going to be in their past. It was in the present. Because as these shepherds were out watching their flock by night, an angel of the Lord appears to them. Now, The Luke had told us in the Gospel of Luke that Zechariah and Mary were visited by a particular angel, Gabriel. Matthew doesn't tell us that. It just says, an angel of the Lord. And as we've noted, angels are not really described in the text. We tend to picture them with wings, uh, flying in the air. Actually, this text doesn't even say that the angel's in the air. It just says an angel appears to them. So maybe he's just standing in the middle of them. But it does say that they're filled with great fear, which should also suggest to us that angels are not necessarily super pretty or kind. Okay? They're intimidating. They are in some way a little bit scary because every time they show up, they have to say, fear not. The text does then also add this weird description that the glory of the Lord shone around them. The word glory means your, your essence, your, your power, what you're all about. And in the Bible, God's glory, it just fills Okay, the, the glory fills the temple in some of the prophets. The earth is full of his glory. And so um, this, this idea of the glory is actually shining. It's like when this angel shows up, all of a sudden God's glory is there. And it is, it's presented almost like it's shining. And, and that's true in the Old Testament too. When Moses spends time with God face to face, if you remember this, his face is shiny. It's like the glory of the Lord makes him glow. Okay, this is where we do get this idea that angels are some kind of, uh, can be seen as some kind of light or kind of shiny. And this is actually the basis for what we think of as a halo. So when artists try to portray someone as holy, they give them sort of this glory, this shine. It normally is around the whole person and then eventually sort of around their head and then eventually sort of over their head. You get what we call a halo. Okay, so the Bible doesn't describe a halo, but it does. We do have this understanding of God's glory shining. Verse ten, the angel of the Lord said to them, "Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. So the angel goes to deliver his message. That's what the word angel literally means. Angel literally means messenger. So this messenger from God says, here's your message. And he starts with, do not be afraid. That's where angels have to start. Then he reassures the angels or the shepherds that he brings good tidings of great joy. Why does he have to reassure him, them of that? Well, actually, if you study uh, angels in the Bible, they don't always bring good news. Sometimes angels bring bad tidings. Okay, two angels come and pronounce judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. In Ezekiel 9, an angel is sent to execute judgment on Jerusalem. An angel of death flies over at the, Pas- at the Passover, killing the firstborn of Egypt. Okay, in Revelation 8 and 9, angels sound trumpets of various judgments. See, angels aren't always there for good news. And so the angel says, hey, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. So a child is to be born in the city of David. That's right where they are. The expectation was that there would be a Messiah coming that is from the house and lineage of David. If you're from the house lineage of David, where is the natural place for you to be born? Bethlehem. <clears throat> these shepherds would have heard these stories since they were children. This Christ will be Messiah and Lord. It's funny that it, it, we get this a little bit confused sometimes. You notice a couple of things. The angel does not tell the shepherds to follow a star. There is no star in the angel story. Okay? That's a wise men's story thing. Shepherds aren't told to follow the star. Interestingly enough, if you pay close attention... The angel never tells them to go find the child. Did you catch that? He's like, behold, there's a child, and here's the sign you're going to look for. Like, he doesn't tell them to go. He, the angel like just calls his shot. It's like he knows when you hear about this good news, you're going to have to go see it for yourself. And here's what you should look for. He doesn't tell them to go. He knows they're going to have to go when they hear about this child. Now, there's, a, there's an interesting possibility here with this sign for the shepherds, which I, some of you heard me talk about before, that uh, these are shepherds that a lot of their lambs go to Bethlehem or go to Jerusalem for sacrifice. And a lot of the lambs, particularly the Passover lambs, have to be without what the Bible calls blemish. So in other words, if you have to have a perfect lamb and it falls and cuts itself, it can't be used for a Passover lamb. If it has any kind of flaw in its skin and it's scratched or whatever, then you can't use that as an unblemished lamb. It has to be a perfect lamb. Now, the thing about that is that sheep, when they're born, are a lot of times very unstable. Okay, have you ever seen an animal born that's supposed to walk immediately? It doesn't work real well. Okay, and sheep are a little clumsy anyway. So what, what shepherds used to do in this time is they would take a baby lamb, and if the lamb really had no color problems, no blemish, they would wrap it in cloth, and then lay it in a manger, or somewhere nearby, so that this lamb wouldn't cut itself, wouldn't hurt and fall in that first little while, while it's still tired after birth. Then eventually the shepherds would come back and unwrap this lamb, and then let it go. And so imagine these shepherds being told to look for a child wrapped in this cloth, lying in a manger. 
Imagine them thinking, not only is this child like a sacrificial lamb, but also they are part of David's family. And so they can see this child as the good shepherd of Israel, but also as the sacrificial lamb. I mean, when you think about it, this sign for them is really special. Most houses had mangers in them. So the idea of a baby being born and laying in a manger, it's kind of a natural crib, actually. But for these shepherds, this is a particularly interesting sign. We continue. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So suddenly there's with the angel a bunch of heavenly hosts. Now, again, we don't know if they're flying. That's not actually in the text. So whether they're surrounded or they're flying or how you want to picture this. And interestingly enough, note that they're not called angels. <coughs> they're called heavenly hosts. Okay, remember, the word angel really technically means messenger. We sort of use it as a term for all these heavenly beings. But, but these other angels aren't actually messaging anything. They're praising. And so they're called heavenly hosts. The text does not say how many there are or what they look like, even that they have wings or that they're flying. We're just told that they begin to praise God. And if you note carefully, it says glorifying God and saying. The text does not say singing. Okay, never in this text do the angels sing. It says they're saying. So they start saying. What are they saying? Glory to God in the highest. And so... When we say glory to God in the highest, they're sort of recognizing God's glory, his essence, his power, what he's all about, but also offering their glory. Okay? In biblical understanding, we each have glory. We each have our own essence and power and strength. And so they're praising God for his glory, but also offering their glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. And then they say on earth, peace. This recognition that part of the effect of this good tidings Part of the message of this baby is peace to earth, proclaiming the purpose of the tiding. But then they add this little line, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And why do they add that? Well, because this, this Jesus, we know this from Paul, we know this from people in our own life. Jesus is not always good news for everybody. <laughs> for some people, they don't want Jesus. For some people, Jesus means they have to stop doing X, Y, and Z with this person or that person, and they don't want that part of Jesus. So for sometimes, Jesus is good news. For other people, Jesus is much harder news. But the angels say the purpose is, the good tidings is to give glory and on earth for there to be peace. I want you to notice here what I've been saying this whole series, angels are all about. What are angels all about? They're about witnessing what God is doing. Praising God for the work that God is doing. And then delivering messages about what God is doing. And you have here this group of angels doing all three. They're recognizing what Jesus is, what God is up to. They are praising God for what he's doing in the world. And they're delivering the message to the people that need to hear it. This, at this point, these shepherds. When the angels finish, we follow the rest of the story. When the angels went away from them into the heaven, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph 
and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. So the shepherds look at each other. Uh, well, before they do anything, the, the angels leave. And, and they go to heaven. And so if you assume that heaven is up, then maybe you can assume here that they're flying. But again, you're making some assumptions there. We just know that they kind of disappear or they're gone or suddenly they are no longer present with the shepherds. We also see here that angels are not omnipresent. Like God can be everywhere at once. Not angels. Angels come and they go. They're there and they leave. So angels got one spot. God's omnipresent. God's all-powerful. Angels actually are not. The shepherds then look at each other and they have a great idea. Hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Did you catch that? They, it's, the, the text acts like it's their idea. Let's go to Bethlehem. Although the angel had already told them, hey, here's what you're going to look for when you go to Bethlehem. They look at each other and say, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. So I guess the angel called his shot right. Remember, they weren't told to follow the star, but just to look for this baby in a manger. See, can you imagine the chaos that night of this group of smelly shepherds going house to house? Hey, is there a baby in here? Is there a baby in your manger? Okay, you think three houses down, I'll go get, like you can imagine all of Bethlehem, this part, all Bethlehem is like, why are these guys coming into our house in the middle of the night? But they finally find the house. They finally find the baby. They praise God there. They tell the story of all that's happened. And everybody's talking about it. Everybody's wondering. Everybody in the household's thinking about what they're saying. Except Mary. Mary, we get a little different response. Mary's not asking a lot of questions. Mary's not talking about it a lot. Of what she's just doing is pondering these things in her heart. She's sort of taking this all in. And then we are told, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen, heard and seen, as it had been told to them. So eventually the shepherds go back to their fields. They were praising God for all they'd heard and seen as it was told for them. And that's an important distinction. Especially as we're wrapping up our series on angels. Because the goal is not to get so obsessed with angels that we miss what angels are really about. Angels are messengers. Okay? When you get a package from Amazon, you don't get excited about the box. Okay? You don't get excited about the truck. You get excited about what's delivered. You get excited about the message, the gift, the blessing. Not the messenger. The angels are the messengers. And it says here that, 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 that the shepherds are glorifying praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. In other words, they're not excited about the shepherds or about the angels. That's the as it had been told to them. They're excited about the baby. They're excited about the manger. They're excited about the, this, these, what these angels actually pointed them towards. Okay, They don't go around glorifying angels. They return home glorifying God. And we need to make sure we get that distinction. We shouldn't obsess over angels. They're the packaging. You'll probably in your life never see an angel, at least not knowingly. Most characters in the Bible never see an angel. You, you might. I think it's possible, but probably not. Most characters in the Bible do not. But I'm going to tell you right now, 
that God is going to send you messages. That God is going to speak. Maybe, maybe through a pastor or through a choir or maybe through a friend or maybe through something you read or maybe it's just going to be the intuition in the back of your head. And if something of that is angel and something of that is just earthly, I don't even know how to make that distinction. But I do know we got to listen to those things. We've got to respond to those things. Can you imagine if these shepherds had just looked at each other and been like, nah, I don't think that really happened. And not gone and seen. One shepherd just stays back because they don't think that that was, that was, that was obviously something fake. Not, no, when God speaks to you, you've got to listen, you've got to follow, you've got to go. And, and, and I love here the curiosity of these shepherds. That once they hear what the angel has to say, well then, oh man, i got to go see that. Right? What is God up to in your life? What is the latest news about what God is doing at Northminster? What are the tidings about what God is doing in our community? Let's go see. Let's go see. Let's jump up and go see what God is up to and see if we can participate in some way in it. Let's share that good tidings. Like these shepherds. I wonder how, many, how often they told this story. I wonder how often they went into town and tried to tell people about this crazy event that happened. That's got to be us with God. We've got to be curious. We've got to be excited. We've got to go see for ourselves. Let's share the good news. Let's glorify and praise God for all that we are seeing and are hearing. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.